You are listening to the Yummy Mummy Podcast, episode number 138. Welcome to the Yummy Mummy Podcast, where you will learn brand new and shockingly different tools to lose weight for the last time. And now, here's your host, certified life and weight loss coach, Laura Conley. Hey, yum moms, what's happening? We have a very special guest on the show today. I'm so excited. We have Jenny Jector here, and we're going to talk about all the things, but specifically wanted to bring up the conversation around alcohol. This is something that I have been exploring personally. So Jenny, welcome to the podcast. Why don't you give us an introduction to who you are, what you do as a coach, where you live, you got kids, you got a husband, like tell us, just tell us all the things. Give us. Yeah, thank you. So awesome to be here talking to you guys, to all the yum moms out there. I feel like I'm not in the yum mom experience, but I am a yum mom. Yeah, you are here. Yeah, Um, you're very yummy. Thank you. I am a sober curious mentor. I think that's the best way I describe it, Mm. that like I am a sober curious mentor and that I use longer periods of going alcohol free as a tool for self-love and self-discovery and developing intimacy with yourself. And so I have a master's degree in counseling and I got that Mm. right out of college. I think I was just like, I don't know what the hell I'm going to do. And I went and got my master's and then did not really enjoy anything in my master's program as much as I thought I would. I started to do research right after school and got into doing research in clinical field, wasn't loving that. And then found myself kind of at a crossroads of like, I don't know what I want to do. I just had this master's program. And one of my boyfriends at the time was like, well, I think you'd be great at sales. Why don't you apply to be a liquor rep? You know, Mm -hmm. they come in, they seem like they're having fun. And so I went and worked in the alcohol industry for 14 years. And oh, wow. I did not know that you were in the alcohol industry for that long. That's crazy. yeah. So it's, it's really interesting. And like, I would never, I wouldn't say that I had a bad relationship with alcohol in college. Like, I would binge not every weekend, but some weekends. So, like, anytime I drank, I almost always binged. But even when I was getting my master's, like I waited tables all through college and grad school and like everybody would go out after work. I wouldn't go out. So Mm -hmm. I didn't have like a bad relationship with alcohol until I was in the industry. Mm -hmm. And then it became where I was like drinking just casually. I sold wine to some of the nicest restaurants in Atlanta and I always had really expensive bottles open and we always had events. And so it just became this like entity in my life where it felt like I was drinking. And this is what I say with my clients. Like I'm drinking more days of the week than I don't. Mm. Even if it's like one or two glasses, it was starting to affect me. And it was starting to affect like how I felt in my body and my ultimate desires of like, I really like being fit and like, I Mm. like working out and all these things. And so it was just hindering what I ultimately wanted. And I think it was like my 12th year this is kind of a fun story, how I got into coaching, actually. Tell us. Tell us. So I have two sons. They're now 10 and 8. My husband and I weren't married at a time. We did everything oh, yeah. backwards. We had kids first. We didn't get married until like 2017. We've been together 14 years. We bought our dream home. Mm-hmm. And I remember buying our dream home. And it was in this beautiful area in Atlanta. It had a pool, mm-hmm. like beautiful house. And I remember thinking... When I buy this house, I'm going to be happy. Oh, yeah. I call it like the when then game. Yes. And I didn't realize like, oh, you're having this experience of you think something external is actually going to like change this depressiveness that you have been numbing for probably your whole life. Like this deep Mm -hmm. sadness like that you have, you are thinking this house is going to cure it. And I didn't Mm -hmm. know this. Consciously, I didn't know it, right? And I remember starting to listen to the Life Coach School podcast and getting some insight into coaching and what was going on. And I woke up one day in my house. I was like, I'm not happy. Why is this? Mm. And so I joined Self-Coaching Scholars at that time and then joined 
coaching and started to use the coach or joined the, um, the training certification. The certification yeah. yeah. And I started to use the coaching tools in my job because I was deeply unhappy in my job too. You know, it's like the unhappiness is a trickle effect into everything. I had no idea that it also had to do with like how much I was drinking, Yeah, you know, and that, that that was actually like making my dopamine levels consistently yeah. lower. And so like having to work to be happy, yeah. but like work really hard mm. felt like it was going to be the struggle of my life. I started using the coaching tools like on myself and had like to completely change my relationship with my job mm. and really like started advertising myself as a coach. And I realized, okay, alcohol is what is actually making me not happy. So I did my first longer stint of sobriety while I was in the industry. And so I took alcohol out for 105 days. And I remember thinking like, you'll never not want it. Mm. Like that was my thought. You will never not want alcohol. And I remember listening to some Stacey Bateman podcast at the time and her talking about the levels of belief that there was like possibility and then, or there's like impossibility, possibility, and then inevitability. Mm. And I remember very clearly seeing those stages Uh, as I was like deconditioning my desire for alcohol and finding these like natural levels of happiness and like recalibrating myself to my own joy that was always there, but like I had just forgotten it. Yeah, totally. I think so many of my listeners can relate to this probably on an alcohol level, but definitely on like a sugar or flour or like fill in the blank, something that you put in your mouth and swallow. (laughs) I mean, it's just, it's so relatable. Okay. So then what happened? (laughs) So I got my certification. I took alcohol out. I was talking on social media about how amazing this experience was. And I kind of started talking about drinking less. Well, you can imagine that there is like a conflict of interest when you work in the industry and you're like touting the benefits of drinking less. (laughs) I love it. You're like selling something you totally don't believe in. (laughs) Yeah. And it's like, I didn't have like this anger. You know, I was literally just in the joy of an experience that I was having Mm. of like, oh my God, like when you don't drink this much, you feel so good. Like you, you like, you have access to a part of yourself or a way of living that is so like, like light, Mm. you know? And so I was just sharing, like, I'm a big sharer, you know, like when I love something, I'm going to share the shit out of it. Yeah. And I think that I was sharing a lot and, you know, a couple people said some things and like word got around, like, and I remember one of my friends was like, yeah, someone was like, what the fuck is she doing talking about it? And (laughs) I'm like, oh, and I, of course, like I had no idea, like I was going to feel like this, like deep shame and fear because I was scared of losing my job. But I also, at the same point, was like, I'm discovering something that's so life-changing and I'm enjoying coaching because I had assigned some clients at this time. It was like coaching at night and stuff. Mm. And so when the pandemic happened in 2020, I got a taste of what it was going to be like to be a coach full-time and be home with my boys Mm. and be more of the mother that I wanted to be because the job I had was incredibly demanding. My husband and I were like ships in the night. We rarely Mm. saw each other. It was always like a fight for time Mm. on the weekends. And it felt like our kids were the ones who really like were missing out, you know, it's like, because we were just so desperately trying to like fill our own cup again from being depleted from this like hectic work week. And so my husband told me, like, I, I'm telling him, I want to quit my job. I want to leave. I was signing new clients Yeah. during the pandemic. I had switched to talking about weight loss because I had gotten in trouble for talking about drinking. And I was like, that's not <laughs> No, but the writing was on the wall. You know, it's like, you know that you're not in alignment anymore. Yeah. So was that the impetus for like the first 105 day like stint? Like, what made you go alcohol free? Like, what was it specifically where you were like, I want to try this for whatever, 100 days or 105 or, or whatever, or, you know, one day at a time? I don't know what the like parameters were, but what made you like really pull the trigger? 
was it like your health? You mentioned your health stuff. You mentioned it was like more nights and it wasn't like, what was it? Like, did you have one of those like light bulb moments or did it just kind of evolve? I I just think I knew like I was never going to feel good in my body if I didn't do this. Uh, the reason I'm asking you so many specific questions. <laughs> well, a lot of my listeners know and my clients know too that I'm looking at my relationship and you know this too, looking at my relationship with alcohol and I've mentioned it on social media and I joke because my husband, like he will drink like whatever. Say he drinks a gin and tonic and two beers. Like the next day he will feel like ass and he will yeah. like kind of look like ass. And yeah. like he'll be like, oh, like definitely, you know, I'm going to take a breather or whatever. Yeah. And I'll drink two and a half glasses of wine and be like, hey, what's up? I feel amazing. And I'm like, I wish sometimes <laughs> – I wish that the impact, and I know there are so many impacts. I just noticed that my the impact that alcohol is on me is a little bit more subtle than it is with my husband. And yeah. sometimes I feel like it'd be more motivating to me if it, which is such a fucked up way to think, but that's just me human to human telling you. Yes. So that's why I'm getting get very, spe- very, very specific. And, and when I do take breaks, I do notice the the benefits, but again, they're subtle. And I I think my guess is that they just start building on top of each other. But if you could speak to that, that would be. Yeah, absolutely. So I would say for me, my drinking was a, an extension of my eating disorder. And so for me, in order for me to even like do any substantial healing of my eating disorder, I, and I didn't realize this at the time, but like, like I needed to take alcohol out. So I could get to some of the deeper, like more longstanding issues that have been around since I was 15. And because my alcohol drinking was always an invitation to eat more. Mm. It's like, I don't really, like I have a nice, perfectly planned dinner, but let me have a two glasses of wine. And now I'm going to have this on top of this. And then now we're going to have dessert. So it was me quieting my judgmental voice around food a lot of times. That would explain... Was like, that like the back door? It was like, oh, I know, like oh, yeah. down on some level, like subconsciously, if I have this wine, then I can get, then I can yeah. get the dessert. Yeah. Oh my God. And it was so always, interesting. I haven't heard of that. Dessert. That is so fascinating. I've never heard, I mean, I've heard my clients talk about all the time, right? Like they'll talk about like, I really want to take the drinking out so that <laughs> I don't eat, but they've never talked about it in that way where I'll drink so I can get the other so i well, won't have so to I put can, up a big fight yeah it's it's like now my inhibitions are lowered yeah yeah now i feel this light ease and i would even hear the dialogue you're not gonna feel bad about this tomorrow my brain would go you won't feel bad go ahead and have it you won't feel bad tomorrow we you'll promise. be fine you you'll oh. be fine and it was always to get to dessert, to, to dessert like my favorite Friday night would be three, like a glass of a glass and a half of white wine, like maybe a glass and a half of red while eating pizza, and then a big ice cream sundae. Oh, the Lux Friday. <laughs> that would be the like highlight a highlight of the li- <laughs> the highlight of your life. <laughs> yeah, and I didn't realize like that my brain, like like I was always just trying to get to the food. That is so clever, and I talk about that too all the time inside the Yummy Mummy, especially as they journey on and on with me, like. The brain just gets more and more and more and more clever. Yes, it does. It's so smart. And I think what I've realized just even in the past year with different like certifications I've done and different reading and a different way of looking at things in myself is that like, I will never, like, I can't hate this part of me. Mm. I can't hate this part that like has this deep protection of me in this area, you know, of like, Hey, you don't want to get fat. Like, I mm. am learning to love that part in a whole new way mm. so that like the the true message can be her. You know, it's like she has a protection. That's what she's doing. She's trying to protect me yeah. because that's what anorexia is. It's fear of fat. I have new ways of looking at these things. Yeah. So but tell it, me about that. Like, how do you actually love her? That part. I I love her in the sense that like she is her... Like, why does it make sense? Like what we were talking about earlier, y'all didn't hear this, but on my podcast, like, tell me why it makes sense Yeah, that she's scared to be fat. 
Because and, then, like, and what's the answer? Because she was criticized. Yeah. For being overweight as a kid. And, and it does make such good sense. Perfect yeah. sense. And she felt shame. And she didn't even know what that shame was. So like it all makes sense. So like I don't have to hate that she exists or hates the hate that like she motive even like motivated another part to like mm. come in, you know, like and probably just a very healthy part wanted to eat food. You know, imagine that <laughs> it just needs to eat, yeah. you know, because you starve yourself all day. It's like a lot of unhealthy patterns. And then you feel guilty for drinking too much. Or I did. I would feel guilty for drinking too much and just get into a cycle, mm. you know, like a really unhealthy cycle of self-abuse. Yeah. Well, then you're not and then you're not fighting against her. You guys are like on the same team. Yeah. We all want me to be healthy. That's hot. <laughs> very important (laughs) jenny so i did the 105 days in 2019 okay and my sober curious journey really started in 2018 and i remember like like i went to amsterdam on a trip and i didn't really drink i had i got drunk at my friend's wedding that's why we went but the whole trip, I was like, I don't want to drink. Like I had been like listening to some of the over drinking coaching in mm-hmm. Brooke's stuff. Yeah. And I was like, I'm really interested in this. I'm curious about myself. So, but I wasn't feeling anything, you know, I was just quitting mm-hmm. drinking mm-hmm. and there's a difference. And I think that's normal too. It's like, I'm going to stop, but also buy, repress, don't emotions don't come up. So the 105 days was because I wanted to like meet myself, you know, and I knew that what I was doing was actually like sort of like kind of half halfway doing it. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, I wasn't ready to feel some of the more intense feelings that I had and process some of the more intense emotions. And then I think I just felt ready. Mm-hmm. I was like, I want to take this out. And I took it out for 105 days and the reason I decided to have wine again was because I actually, and looking back, I'm like, oh, that was kind of dumb. Like I heard this voice go, if you ever have wine again, it won't be perfect. You'll have ruined it. And I was like, hey, this was not about perfection. And so I was like, I'm going to have a glass of wine. I remember telling my friend Courtney, we were going to like a ladies thing at our neighborhood and I brought a bottle of rosé and I was like, I'm having wine tonight because I like don't want to be in this perfectionistic place. And I tried to sip it. I was like, ugh, this doesn't even taste good. (laughs) That part's fascinating too. Yeah. Like it didn't really taste good. And so then that was like when I started like this sober curious stuff, like I, or like the mindful drinking is what I was calling at the time. I don't even think I knew the term sober curiosity Mm. where my drinks, I would plan it. Mm. Like anytime I had a drink, I would plan it. And I put some boundaries for myself where I was like, okay, you don't drink when you're upset. Mm. and you don't drink to try to create an emotion. And the first time I did, it actually kind of scared me because it made me realize like, this isn't gone in me, Mm. you know, like this desire to not be with myself and to like escape me isn't gone. So Mm. that kind of got me questioning things a little bit more. And it wasn't until this past year that I was like, you know what? I just think I'm ready to say forever and not drink again. Mm-hmm. Now, does that bring up the perfectionistic stuff, though? I think it makes it easier. Oh, because the decision is just like not even on the table. Yeah. I just, I feel like deciding all the time, there is oh. perfectionism in there. Absolutely. But the bigger thing was that it's easier. Yeah. Like, I don't I have agree. to decide anymore. It's just not an option. And that just feels like a big giant breath of fresh air for me because I actually don't know how long I can moderate and I don't want to keep trying to find out. Mm, It's just easier. I mean, that's how I feel with sugar and flour. I'm like, this is just so much easier to not have to decide over and over and over again. The decision fatigue, there's just so much less of it. And I I think that's hard for people to wrap their brains around when they really are, I hate to use the word attached, but that's just coming from like my experience, like just being attached to food, alcohol too, right? And just like really, it it feels like so far away. It's kind of like we were talking about before, like the word forever, yeah, right? It feels 
So how did you get to forever? Was it that? Like, I just want to stop deciding? No. It was something else. (laughs) Um, Tell us. Well, my mom died this year, and I think I was dealing with a lot of painful emotion that I didn't expect to have come up. Mm. And I went on vacation with my boys, and it was a trip to the beach, and it was too soon. I really, like, needed to, like, not do anything. Mm. And I found myself, like, I had a glass of wine with my friend. She came down, and I had a glass of wine with her and my husband. And the next night, I, like, didn't want to drink. I knew I didn't want to drink. I had made this healthy dinner for myself Mm -hmm. and for everybody. It was my husband's birthday. He had come home because he'd been golfing and he'd been drinking. And so like there was like a level where everybody was Mm -hmm. like my husband, my friend, you know, she was having some wine and I felt myself like wanting to be fun, but I didn't feel fun and I didn't want Mm -hmm. to be where I was. You know, like I was sad and I like didn't want to be sad on vacation when I was trying to like be fun for the kids too. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I'll have some wine. And I think I had like three glasses of wine. And then we went out. My friend wanted to go out dancing and she's newly divorced. And I was like, I really want to support her and like go out with her. And I had multiple drinks that night and I had a hangover the next Mm. day. And it was something that like I had not had in five years. Mm. Like I had not had a hangover in five years. And I was like, holy shit. Like this is what a lot of people I work with experience every weekend. Mm. And it rocked me so hard of like, I was like, I will never ever like betray myself like this again. Mm. And so that was what started the decision to like take it out forever. Mm. Yeah, because you felt like it was a betrayal because you were sad and you were trying just not to be. And I felt like it's like, Jenny, like, do you ever want to maybe feel this way again? Do you ever want to accidentally get drunk again? And the answer is no. I don't know how long this grieving process will last. Mm -hmm. It could be whoever, however long, you know, like I'm experiencing a lot and I don't want to not be here for myself Mm. with alcohol and like use alcohol to like not be here for myself because one, I know the importance of processing grief in real time. And so like, I want to give that to myself. Mm. And so that was really like the, I felt like it was a gift that that happened. At first, I yeah. shamed myself so bad. I remember talking to my health coach and I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> you know, like I was so sad and like embarrassed too. Yeah, of course. You know, like yeah. here I am. This is like what I do. Oh. And here's what happened. And I felt embarrassed. But more so, it was like truly a gift because it like led me to like what I want. I don't ever want to do that to myself again. Yeah. And I can't well, guarantee it. You know, because I just, I feel what I call the creep. It's like, Mm. it's like, oh, I plan my drinking, but well, just one Chardonnay is okay on tonight. Mm -hmm. And it's, and that's just the nature of an addictive substance that it's going to creep up. And I saw that in myself, like even with mindful drinking, like I saw myself creeping and I don't like that. Yeah. Yeah. So say more, what does this mean? Like, you you keep using these terms, which I get, but like explain for people listening that maybe get or don't get. Maybe I get it. Maybe I don't get it. I just want to hear more. I just want to know more yeah. about you have this desire to not escape yourself. Like, yes. What does that mean? Okay. Now I get to sound crazy. <laughs> Hopefully I'll get it. I have been interested in parts work for quite some time. Like I learned about parts work from Teal Swan where – she's like a spiritual leader and she talked about like that there's different parts of us, you know? Mm -hmm. And then even this book by Carolyn Elliott called existential kink, which I highly recommend to everybody. It's like so good. And it talks about the subconscious, right? And it's like these subconscious desires, these subconscious wants, and that the subconscious is really ruling everything, Mm -hmm. right? Well, even within the subconscious, it's not just one thing. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's several things. There's therapy that is designed for parts work called internal family systems. Mm -hmm. And so I 
have always looked at myself as parts. I've always noticed I'm so different. You know, there's a whole different like film that comes on me and it, mm. it can be like an emotional embodiment. And it's like, it's like, wow, this is so different than even how I was yesterday. And it's different parts of me. It's like different parts that are either allowed expression and that I love or that are like my rebellious parts that I like don't like, or especially the ones that have like the more tender, like hurtful emotions. Like we were talking about earlier, like the feeling helpless, Mm. like that's a part. And so integration is when we learn to love all these parts. And so we can't integrate what we suppress. We can't integrate when we numb. And it's okay that we don't, right? But I don't want to like live my life like not feeling okay with the different types of energies that I have within me. And so a lot of this has been like being okay with like the difficult feelings that I have, the really hard ones. And what motivates you to do that though? Like, why do you want to do that? Like, who cares? Like, why don't you just keep, you know, drinking wine and eating pizza and ice cream sundaes? Like what? I think that is an interesting not to toot my own horn, but it's an interesting question of like, because I think some people are just motivated. They're like, I am picking up what Jenny is putting down. I want to meet myself too. I don't want to escape myself. And then there's some other people out there that might be like, yeah, but like, can you sell me on this a little bit? Like, why might I want to meet myself? Yeah, because it opens your heart. Yeah, but who cares? Humanity cares. (laughs) I care. I mean, I care. I care. I would like everybody who's listening to this podcast to please go meet yourself so that you can have a nice, open, warm heart. (laughs) Because ultimately, we are good. Yeah. Like, ultimately, like, like, we are innocent and we are like, literally like, loving, loving beings. And there's only like conditioning that makes us believe we're not that. Mm -hmm. And so when we can love our parts... What my experience has been is that it opens up my heart space. And the way I have like described my heart is like, I was very, I repressed a lot of feeling in my life for a very long time and was very successful at doing that Mm -hmm. and had a lot of success in life. But I also did not feel like lots of joy and Mm -hmm. euphoria and what I would even call like uh, an elation. Like I never oh, felt that way because I was just kind of living in like the numb middle. Yeah. It's like my, my range was like negative yeah. two to positive two. And so I was like, mm. when I started to, when I took alcohol out and this is very common in sober communities, like you, they talk about like, you have this rush of like, oh my God, really good feelings. Right. And it's really cool. You know? And I think that's like, I think that's even by design to like motivate, to like keep people like mm-hmm. on the path. Right. And then it opens you up to greater feeling on the other side. And I think what the way I describe it is like, I felt like my heart was like corroded, like a, like, like there was like tar and cement on it. And like every time I would allow myself to like feel or be in an experience that felt challenging or go into deep loss and pain and grief it's like it cracked open Mm. like a part of my heart and like, and then it was like more open and loving. And then I just had a lot more compassion for other people. And so it made my connection with other people so much more intimate. Mm. And that's what I really want there. I think that's the answer right there is like, like, I mean, cause isn't that like a basic freaking, it's like food and water. Like, yeah. Connection is so I mean it's crazy to look at I man, I could go down a whole diatribe but the <laughs> I think really that is the answer go meet yourself people out there yeah <laughs> so, I think so that you open that- your heart so that you can really connect deeply to other people and get like the full human experience like you're talking about like the full spectrum like yeah you open your heart and you you get to then feel elation on the other side of that is some fucking brutal emotions as well. I mean, I don't know what your experience has been with this, but I talk about this with my clients from time to time that sometimes when I'm in a really 
brutal emotion, like whether that's like shame, like I, I would actually consider like embarrassment or humiliation, like mm-hmm. kind of far to that end of the spectrum. Yeah. Shame or embarrassment or like true horror, deep sadness or really crazy grief. Like if you really let yourself go there without the tar or with the cement or whatever, there's a feeling of like, to use your word, like connection and almost bliss. Like if you really yeah. let go, it's almost like the spectrum like creates a circle. Like it's sort of crazy to me. I don't know if you've ever experienced that, but all the time. Uh, <laughs> I'm just over here trying to sell people on like feeling, you know, shame, embarrassment, humiliation. <laughs> yeah. Guilt, guilt, whatever. Okay. All right. This is oh, so why did you repress all those feelings? <laughs> I didn't know any better. Yeah, because that's like the conditioning that we get, right? In our culture. Survival too. It's like, you know, in my childhood, why do we create any sort of like maladaptive behavior that hurts us later on? Because at some point it served us. We all have childhood things that happen even in loving homes. Like our personalities develop and we're trying to survive psychologically, emotionally, and physically. And so we just develop certain patterns and certain behaviors and we learn them. And then some are just intrinsically developed because of our natural like gifts that can get used and abused and a little bit distorted. So it's like my pattern was my feelings don't matter. They're not going to, they're not going to get met. You know, like your feelings don't matter. There's too many emotions in the house already. And I think it was like emotions are scary. Because I saw very scary versions of emotions. And so just subconsciously, it's like they're scary. And then I needed to be tough. So I just developed this tough rigidity. But I didn't realize how much it hurt me. Even when my first son was born, I felt very numb. People talk about like this love that they feel. And I like, like, I feel that I don't feel this. Like, how come I don't feel this? I loved him. Yeah. But I couldn't feel what people said that you feel. Mm. And I was like, what the fuck is this? Mm. And so like, I was just numb. Yeah. Okay. So let's switch topics before I get like, Jenny was asking me on her podcast. She's like, so do you go deep with her clients or with your, do you go deep with your clients? And I'm like, yeah, I do. And meanwhile, she's on my podcast. I'm like, can you tell me about that childhood trauma? (laughs) Okay. So I want to know, what your experience is with transference. So say my client comes in, they give up sugar and flour, they're kind of crushing it, and then they start to sort of notice that maybe like the two glasses of wine every week is like ticked up to four or six or like the one glass at dinner is turned into like two and a half. Or I I just noticed that a little bit with just the human freaking race, right? So. I'm curious if you notice that or if you could speak to that and and how do we handle that? I have a pretty firm stance, and, but I would love to hear your opinion too around when my clients come in and they do maybe want to start to move away from processed foods or processed sugar or flour or whatever. I actually do recommend that they don't give up all the things at once. So if they're watching three hours of Netflix and they're drinking three glasses of wine at night and they're eating a packet of gummy bears and yeah. the pizza, it's like... I really like one thing at a time, but I'm just curious if you could speak to like, you know, that whole barf situation of word vomit I just gave you. (laughs) I I think that, I think that like the brain just wants dopamine, right? So like, it's, it's already like, oh, I'm just still going to look for it here. I'm going to look for it here. I'm going to look for it here. And so that happens with my clients too, that they often talk about, like they start wanting sugar. I notice that myself, like even when I like, will do no sugar, no flour. And then obviously I don't do alcohol. My brain's going to my phone, Mm. you know? So it's just- I totally noticed that when I was pregnant. I was like, I would just eat sugar. (laughs) I think there's like, I think there's the opening for lots of compassions. Like, oh, okay. My brain Mm. is just wanting dopamine. And- Honestly, like kind of recognizing like what other circumstances you might have going on in your life, like there might be some like really stressful things happening. And when you add in the changes of like inner comforts, sometimes it can be too much. Sometimes Mm -hmm. it can be like a stress overload on the brain, like changing those types of things as much as it's going to be wonderfully beneficial to our body and mental health and emotional health and physical health and all of that. 
it does initially create stress in the brain because the brain still wants alcohol. The brain still wants sugar and flour. So it's one, it's like increasing your tolerance level for that type of stress and like recognizing like, when is this a mental overload? I've had that happen where something yeah. felt like a mental overload. Like I was doing too many yeah. restrictions and things. Yeah. And I actually really felt that. And I was like, oh, this is maybe not really what you need to do. So one, recognizing, but also like planning it. Like, you know, if you are t- doing no sugar, no flour, like I would definitely plan your wine. Say like, I'm just going to have one glass on Thursday and one glass on Friday night or whatever. And then manage your urges around having more. Yeah. You know, that would be yeah, one way right. to, to override it a little bit and just to work with yourself. And then as you become more acclimated to the sugar and flour, then you, if your desire is to take wine out more or drink less, then you could like take That's it out. Right. Like, yeah. yeah, like 10%, like every week, reduce yeah. it. By. Oh, I like that. Is that what you teach? No, that's what um doctor, I think it's Amin or Ahmed. He's a psychiatrist on Instagram and he oh. talks a lot about alcohol. I have really loved listening to some of his things. But he said that when he helps his clients reduce alcohol, he has them do 10% per day. But okay. I think probably like where your clients are, yeah, like 10% per week is probably going to be enough. You know, he's probably yeah. working with people who are, yeah. are more addicted drinkers. Yeah, totally. So speak to me about this. I want to do a whole podcast episode on this. But people say, okay, well, there's a debate, I feel like. Okay, so if I give up alcohol and then I go to a wedding, or if I give up alcohol and then I go to happy hour, if I give up alcohol and then I go into fill-in-the-blank social event, it's just not as fun. Like, true or false? At first. Yeah, okay. It might be true at first. Yeah. That's sort of what I think. In my relationship with alcohol, and I've like significantly reduced the amount I've been drinking, although I did just get back from Italy. like So that's why I'm word vomiting, you guys. P.S. Like I'm so jet lagged. And I also probably drink like 12 bottles of wine. But so I'm coming off of a crazy... It was literally a wine. It was a wine trip. So I have significantly reduce my alcohol consumption. But that has been a little bit of a finding of mine is that I would rather stay home and do like a foot mask and eye peels and whatever the fuck and read my book and not go to the social event and not drink. I would I I would rather just stay home. So there could be multiple things, right? So like (laughs) one it's, it can be very truth telling of like true extroversion versus introversion and where you actually fall on the spectrum. I am like an introversion with like, like the foot on the extroversion, but I can become an extrovert because of alcohol. Mm. So like I could act like I wanted to be out, but mm. really I want to be home with my books mm. and the foot math sounds amazing. That is what my real desire is, but I could tolerate like being out with when I could, again, like kind of lie to myself. Yeah. And I think it depends too, like where you are with your social life. Like if you're married with kids or if you're like single when you go out, like I think there's all different Mm. layers that could come into this and how much of a social person you are in general. Like, do you genuinely get energy from being out and like being with other people? But I think at first it's going to feel weird. Mm. You know, you're going to go to your wedding, your first wedding sober and it's going to feel weird. You're going to feel awkward. You might not be as excited to get on the dance floor. You might not be as gregarious in your conversation. And then the next one is not as weird. Mm. And then the next one is not as weird. And then the next one, you're just having the best fucking time, depending on like how much going out you do and how much drinking you do. Yeah. I think you have to like onboard yourself. It sounds like. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, it's an unlayering process. You know, I've noticed too, which it's been funky because I, I always think I had, or not always, but it was kind of like similar to what you were saying is like my relationship with alcohol is like totally fine. I think when I had little kids and then the event is drinking, that's what I'm starting to want to like massage and change. Like that's the activity? Like, no. Like, so I'm just watching myself redesign my life 
That's so, so that, fun. It's so fun because I love a million activities. I love yeah. tennis. I love walking. I love hiking. I love so many things. But I'm noticing that it's just the default in some of the circles that I run in. And the good thing is I'm the fucking planner and like all my and like in my life. So, you know, I can redesign it. But it's been maybe a surprise for me because in college, like all my friends went out basically every night. I never did. I would go out like two or three nights a week. My friends thought I was such a weirdo. But I just didn't want to just drink that much. And I think it's like kind of surprising. You have little kids, you're doing the suburban life. But I think more and more or maybe I don't know. But at least in my neighborhoods and, you know, I fully participated and fully planned it for a lot of times. It's very normal to just have the kids over, have some wine, like whatever. And that's the main activity. That's the main event. Yeah. Well, marketers have of alcohol have mm. done a very amazing job at making us think that we should be drinking all the time. Um, it's amazing. Like amazing. Like I mean, literally with everything, they paired it with everything. And like everything industry for so long, I got to watch presentation after presentation after presentation of how we're marketed to. It's fascinating. Know? And like, so it's an illusion, right? It's, it's such like an illusion. It's such a lie. And what the illusion is, is that they only show joy. They never show consequences. Mm. They never show consequences of addicted drinking at any level Mm. they don't show the fight at the end of the night they don't show your headache and brain fog the next day they only show what you actually want which is connection Mm. and it's fake and it's fake or maybe it's not fake for every i don't want to blanket statement it but it can be but i mean i think you think like when people are social drinking what are they trying to do you know, yeah. they're trying to connect what they yeah. want to feel connection. And so like, that's why like we take it out so that we can learn how to engage as adults from our heart space. Like, mm-hmm. and we want to be vulnerable too. Like we don't, we want to drop our masks. And like a lot of times alcohol has just become the way that we feel safe to do it. Yeah. So like, I know my parent, my parents have even commented on it too. Cause I don't think the marketers were as skilled then or had as much money no. or who knows. I don't know. You would know more, but they're, they they comment on it. They're like, oh, like at a bridal shower, we drink now? Like, oh, at the, like sh- my mom's always like at every single thing, you know, yeah. she's sort of just making an observation. And my husband and I are both kind of on this journey together because I we were actually pretty dialed during COVID. It was kind of after COVID that we like thought we were in like spring break 1998 or something. <laughs> <laughs> I think we were like, I don't know. COVID was over. We were like, woo, it's a party. Yeah. And our kids were just a little bit older. I think we just partied and it just kind of kept kept going. It was just, we got yeah. into this really, we got into a bad habit. Yeah. And um, we were just laughing about the marketing, about the weather. Any weather, any oh. weather, any oh, weather. Oh, yeah. I'm I never like, used to do that. It's raining. It's rainy. We need red wine. We need a big, yes. full body red wine. And then we'll be like, oh, and spaghetti. oh my God, it's the first day. Of, it's spaghetti. And then it's like, oh my God, it's the first day of spring. Like we have to get some IPA. I don't even know what. Or like every type of weather, there's an like associated drink. I'm like, this. that's total marketing. It has to be marketing. Or I don't know, maybe my brain getting more and more it's, clever it's, i don't know it, it is it is the brain getting clever you know like i used this joke like i told this story and i did this with my last group that i did i had this guy that i was making out with in college one time and we had our clothes on but we were like you know like dry humping or whatever and he's like you know he's like you know it'd be wild if we had all our clothes off and so i can't like and when i think of this guy and i call it like the chad in my brain his name is chad that's not really his name but like it's how your brain will invite you to alcohol and i call it like, just the tip just for a minute just to see how it feels mm. <laughs> you yeah, know it's so good it's like it will use like these really subtle innocent sounding things mm. don't you want me just to put the tip in just for a second just to see how it just feels and then all of a sudden you're having sex because like, it's not gonna feel good right right I mean, like you, you know it's gonna feel good like oh like maybe you don't know, like be even better like mm. i've been having the best day 
and being alcoholic, like would like have meal prepped. I would have like the house clean. And like that to me is like a really great day. Like on a Sunday, yeah. like getting all that stuff done, like feeling so good going into Monday. And my brain be like, oh my God, do it. He's so good. Stop me on block. Yeah. That's some serious in the fridge. <laughs> you know? And it's like always trying to like invite me to like this more experience. And yeah. what I realize is like, I just want to be satisfied. Mm. You know? Like, can I just work on satisfaction? right here where I am, even mm. if it's not like heightened, because we're just chasing, oh. you know, yeah, like, and you can't what? stop. I mean, there's no end. There's no finish yeah. line. Yeah. Yeah. I talk about that too. It's like our brains, they get more clever and more clever. And then it's like coupled with the industry, right? Whether yeah. that's a processed food industry or the alcohol industry, right? It's like, it's like 2v1. It's like unfair advantage. It's like they're over there and then your future self or your higher brain or your desires yes. or you meeting your heart or whatever, you know, your special like bright, beautiful heart space without the tar. It's yeah. like they have such a good argument over there half the time. I swear to God. I'm like, God, you guys, it's 2v1. This is the unfair advantage, the like, conditioning and the marketing. Like, yes. Yeah. So, I mean, it's no wonder, honestly, like that's, that's a lot of the place that I can find compassion is like, okay, this may like, to your point, to your question, like this makes sense. Like makes sense. Yeah. It makes perfect sense. It makes sense why we think it's normal to drink as much as we do. It makes sense that like, we don't think normal drinking is addicted, you know, mm. like it makes sense that we don't think that it's interesting your best tip if you had to give like a takeaway tip or if somebody is wanting to explore their relationship with alcohol or maybe moving towards alcohol free like what's some of your best advice for that person and the humans out there for the process or okay you know what okay expect (laughs) it to be worse before it gets better Mm. like expect it to suck Mm. and ex- and expect it that like that a month isn't long enough mm. like you really you recommend will, 105 days i have done groups before and i always say like at least 90 days okay at because least what because what happens between like what's the difference between 30 and 90 because you can use willpower for 30 mm. it's really hard to use willpower to 90 but you can willpower your way through a dry January. And a lot of times like the intention of a dry January is just to like, I would used to do it cause I wanted to prove to myself I'd have a problem. Oh, like, that's let me, so and common. then I wouldn't even make it. And I'm like, <laughs> I guess, I guess you're fine. You're not a problem, right? Okay. <laughs> and sometimes it's a reset for people, but often I'm just stopping drinking, but I'm not understanding why I'm drinking mm. or like, is, is there dissatisfaction in my relationship? Am I unhappy deeply at work? Do I mm. feel like completely alone in a house yeah. in a room full of people or whatever? So with more than 30, those emotions will surface, you know, mm. and then that's when you get to like, do, you know, like the life-changing transformational work to like really love all the parts. Yeah. I love that. Like that's when the journey begins and you, you actually get to feel how much your life changes without it and decrease the desire because your desire is still high. I like to think of it as like, if you had this guy that you were like obsessed with and he was like the best lay of your life and you're like, okay, but we're breaking up because he treats me like shit, Mm, total asshole. But then you would like sleep with him once a week you're not actually like decreasing how like your desire for him. There is a period of abstinence where you need that so that you can be like, Oh, fuck that guy. Yeah. Yeah. Or you see him and it's neutral. Yeah. Like being neutral around alcohol is a really powerful place to be. Mm, I love that. Okay. Anything else you have to tell the people before we end? I mean, we're going to hear, we're going to hear like how to find you and all that good stuff, but any other like tips or tricks or like things that you feel like, oh my God, we can't end the podcast without them knowing that there is a joy that is available in the sober zone that I just don't think it's available Mm. when you drink as a habit. 
Not like sporadically, but I think that there is a, a level of joy that becomes available in the sober zone. And I want to invite you to experience that. So tell us how to find you. Tell us how to work with you. Tell us all the yeah. things. So right now I do one-on-one coaching for six months and you can find me on Instagram at the Jenny Jector. My last name has many letters that don't belong. That's J-U-E-C-H-T-E-R. And you can message me there. I'm not fancy. I don't have a website or anything like that. And everything is word of mouth, relationship driven. And that's where my business is. I love is. that. That's so cool. Jenny, thank you for coming on. I'm so excited. For those of you that are interested in signing up for the Yummy Mummy experience, we are about to open doors. So you're going to want to make sure you're on the wait list. The waitlisters do get a special sweet treat. Not edible, but it's a sweet treat. <laughs> so make sure you go to lauraconley.com. Click work with me. Make sure you're on that wait list. Doors are going to open very shortly, and we are going to lose weight for the last time starting on August 1st together. So thanks again, Jenny. Really appreciate it. it Thank you for having me. You're welcome. Hey, if you've enjoyed listening to this podcast, I would love it. Love it. If you leave a rate, review, and a subscribe on whatever you're listening to this podcast in. Pretty, pretty pleased with a cherry on top. It would help me so much and it would help all the other mamas out there hear this message. Thank you in advance. I really appreciate it. And you have to come check out the Yummy Mummy Experience. It's my proven lose weight for the last time group coaching and course. Head to lauraconley.com and just click work with me. Other than that, you guys, I would love to give you a free gift. If you want your free listener only gift, go to lauraconley.com forward slash gift. And from there, you will get your free best ever weight loss hack. So cool. The last thing I want to tell you, you guys, is I do have a free Facebook group. It's called, you guessed it, the yummy mummy. Lose weight for the last time end body drama and get food freedom. You can just search that in Facebook or again, you can head to the show notes and you'll find the link there. All right, you guys have the best day ever. 